and one book by, Victor, by Bill Sabritsky, Victory in Jesus. You can get the, those off the websites, and there is a more in-depth uh, teaching on what I'm going to summarize to what I believe the Lord wants us to talk about. In Hebrews 6, 1-6, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, think about that word, the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, on the laying on of hands, of resur the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now, do we know all about those six primary doctrines? Do we, do we know them so well we can just move on from them? Because they are actually the principles, the foundations of Christianity. And if we don't understand those, how on earth are we going to move on to things that are deeper? Now, Des has been bringing some interesting messages. God bless you over there in the corner. <coughs> Des has been bringing some interesting messages which sound quite simple in, in, in subject. That is, he's been talking about prayer and he's been talking about hearing the voice of God or being a witness in the community and what have you. They are actually the deeper things that come from, Christ, from in, in the, the Christian walk. They are the deeper things that Des and, and Gavin have been, been bringing because we should already know the foundations but many of us don't, and so it's good to go back and get an understanding of them. So on August 23, note it down in your diaries, be here with your friends. I'm going to talk about the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands. On September 20, God willing, if I'm still alive, resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. They're deep subjects, but do you know that they're just basic? They're basic princi principles of Christ Christianity that we need to know because we can't move on to deeper things unless we know the foundations. In Hebrews 2, 1-4 it says that how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's in the first part of that verse it says therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. So Paul's assuming that who he's talking to has already heard these foundation things and that he's expecting his audience to give heed to them and we can say the same to ourselves. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, Jesus. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Also in Hebrews 3.12, 15, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any one of us an, un an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God, but exhort one each other. It goes on to say, For we have become partakers of Christ, if we behold the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end. 
today if you will hear His voice. What does repentance mean? Des, what does repentance mean? What does it mean? Yeah, Craig, you probably need to do quite a bit of repentance. What, what does repentance mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to change one's mind. Is is, is one interpretation to make a decision not to sin again. It means to turn right around. It's a complete change. In Hebrews 9, 13 and 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? True repentance, that turning around, first leads us, first of all, to place our total faith and belief in the Son of God. When we first come to the Lord, and think about this for those loved ones of yours that haven't turned to the Lord yet, what is, what is needed to be, what needs to happen. And so we turn away from dead religion. In those days they thought that, you know, you had to do this, you had to sacrifice this, you had to do all, all, all this to be saved. And what Paul is saying is, forget it. It's over. There is only one sacrifice. It is Jesus. And as we turn to Jesus and follow him, all dead works are dismissed. They're finished. They're gone. So we turn away from dead religion and everything that is not centered upon Jesus Christ himself. And in the course of doing that, we repent from sin. So turning to God, we end up returning, we end up turning away from sin. Now before we were born again, we are looking at the things of the world and, and like those people whom Paul speaks of in his, his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So if you have loved ones who don't know the Lord, they are perishing until they turn to Christ. Be very aware of that. That makes us want to intercede for them even more. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should, should shine on them. Here's some really good news about repentance. Repentance begins with God. God draws us, draws us to himself. God is the one that makes the first move. We can pray and intercede for our loved ones, but believe that God's going to do something. Because we can't persuade them. Persuade someone to become a Christian, someone can persuade them not to become a Christian. It needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Hi there, Bronwyn. You got, in, got here in time. <laughs> Good to see you. Repentance begins with God. Look what John 6, 4, 4 says. No one can come to me 
unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. So that means when, when Dad suddenly thought, hey, I need to find out more about this Christian thing and I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and repent of sin and what have you, what was happening was that the Lord was drawing him. The Father was drawing him. Why? Because the Father loved him. God is the one who always makes the first move. He begins to draw us to himself. And it's our responsibility to respond. How many times have you heard someone say, I wanted to go forward, I wanted to go forward at the meeting, but I just, you know, I was too proud and I didn't go. And so they wasted about 10 years of their life before God gave them another opportunity and they were called. What a waste. Look at that guy in that testimony. You know, God, through his kindness, probably caused them to be angry. Do you realize that? And where are you, God? Come. God would have been doing that. He would have been stirring them up. And as soon as he asked, the Lord appeared. God's kindness. In Titus 3, 7. For we ourselves, and that's all of us, particularly Craig and that, were once foolish, disobedience, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and entry, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, because nothing we can do to earn salvation, nothing. <clears throat> but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ now that came, came forth in, in the, the, uh, the tongues message and interpretation came from over, over here God's love God's incredible love coming towards us the abundant love you know Favourite verse of mine is Romans 2.4. Or do you despise the richness of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God. Good on you, Janet. You're right up with the play. The New Living Translation, well, I'd look this one up especially, says, don't you see how much kind... Wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient, God is with you. Jeebus, he must have been for me. Was 32 years old before I turned properly to the Lord. Kind, tolerant, and patient. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You know, at the age of uh, 12, I gave my heart to the Lord. So that must have been God calling me at that time. Um, but I didn't really go on for the Lord for, for, the, for the rest of my teenage years. So I think that may have been the start of the salvation experience, but I really don't know to what extent I was really saved because if you're, gonna, if you're saved, there should be fruit from it. And I rebelled and went out into the world, Radio Haraki and, and, and all this sort of stuff, and one day, when I was in the boardroom of Stereo FM in Auckland, I wonder if it was the kindness of God that had someone call me and say, oh, look, by the way, I'm not going to come back into this relationship. And um, that's it. 
And I fell to my, my knees in grief. And only then did I cry out to the Lord in deep repentance. And he zapped me. I was home, home alone, absolutely devastated by what had happened. And I just wept before the Lord and repented for my sin. And he zapped me with a million bolts of electricity of love. <laughs> absolutely saturated me. It, it seemed like it went on for about three or four hours. But I got up, washed clean in his blood and filled with the Spirit of God. Jan and I, last week, went to Ruakaka and met with Phil Paikia, guy like that one on that testimony. He'd been a violent man, a founder of, founder of Black Power in uh, Northland. He'd been a really e evil man, but um, someone started ministering to him. His wife got saved at a Louis Palau meeting in Wangarei, and she just changed overnight. She started ministering to him. He used to try and cause trouble and, and get it all riled up so that she would g give some of the house, housekeeping money to him and say, oh, go away, go to the pub. And so he kept on trying to stir her up. But now, he, before he even started, she'd bring the money out and say, dear, why don't you just go to the pub and have a drink? And he got all riled up because there was no argument. <laughs> he said, she kept serving me and it was killing me. <laughs> and he, he began to get closer and closer to the Lord. And one day he just, he just f fell on the floor uh, at this pastor's place who'd been onto him and onto him. And he was absolutely filled with the, the Spirit of God. So the God used the kindness and love of his wife to reach him. And you know, only a few weeks after that, that had happened, that he came to the Lord. He was fishing off the Wangarei heads and he slipped in off the rocks with his gumboots and all. He was with, with some of his mates and he drowned. He went, uh, he, he found his spirit, he was in the spirit, he went into a real dark place uh, cold, cold, dark place, and underneath them, he could hear people screaming and demons cursing at them. You deserve to be here. You deserve to be here. But he didn't think they were speaking to him. <coughs> they pulled him out of the water and revived him, and as, as they revived him, he saw, suddenly saw a great light, and he saw Maori warriors on the, on the beach doing a haka with angels surrounding them. And later on, in, as he was being, being wheeled home, he never got off the boat. He was, so, he was just like paralysed. They took him home on the, still strapped to the boat. And he'd, he had a dream of a vision of uh, g gang members all back to back with the guy that led him to the Lord. And they were preaching to them, but there were angels surrounding him. I'm just telling you the story because you see the kindness of the, the Lord even gave him a dream and a vision and brought him back from life to tell him, you're not going down there. You're going to be with me. And you're going to have lots of mates with you. And Phil Pikea <coughs> is leading dozens and dozens and dozens of gangsters to the Lord. <coughs> it was a fantastic experience, wasn't it, Jan? Just sitting listening to this man. 
See, when we move in true repentance, a complete change of mind occurs. But many people come to the Lord and only partially repent. They do not make that full turn. They stop. And they're kind of looking over their back a little bit. And we all do that. They only partially turn from their sin with the result that the old sin is always drawing them back and they feel the pull back to their previous sins. You know, I gave up at that time that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I gave up dope, I gave up drugs, I gave up an immoral lifestyle and I, I just absolutely followed Christ. I couldn't stop telling people about him. My whole life changed. I stepped out of that FM rock station as a director and said, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not even going to sell my shares. I give them away. I cannot profit from that which is immoral. <clears throat> and I stepped away. But it's funny how we don't give up some sins. And sometimes they're just little sins. You know? I'd given up dope, I'd given up cocaine, I'd given up immorality, all of these things, but I hadn't given up that occasional cigarette. I used to go and buy a packet of cigarettes, take out one, smoke it and throw the packet away because I felt guilty. Jeepers, what a waste of money that was. <laughs> it was my own private little sin. One day I was driving on the motorway and I pulled out that one, one cigarette that I'd kept, put it in my mouth, opened the window, and it was like a hand came in and pulled it right out of my mouth. I thought, whoo, what on earth's going on? And I immediately got an impression from Rob, because it must have been an angel taking it out, saying, stop now. You need to give up, because that's your own personal, private rebellion against me. See, I'd stop, I'd I'd stopped rebelling against the Lord, I thought, and all the things that, that were wicked, but I had my own personal little rebellion. <laughs> That's what it was. Rebellion. But the danger of smoking, I thank God the Lord took it off of me. You know, about ten years later, I went across to Bill Sabritsky's place for lunch because the office was right next to the house and it, Occasionally, I'd be, I'd be invited across to lunch. And as I walked into the room, Bill suddenly looked at me, as he does at times, out of, in the spirit, and he said, Ray, do you mind if I pray for you? I said, no, not at all. Put his hand on my chest and said, Ray, did you ever smoke? He, could, he was expect, expecting me to say, no, of course not. I said, well, actually, I did a long time ago. And he said, well, I've just seen a shadow over your lungs. And he prayed against it. So there was cancer developing from smoking way back then. And I only smoked for, for, um, for 10 years when I was from 21 to 32. And, and I gave it up. But 10 years later, there was a shadow. And he prayed it, off, prayed it off me. So thank God that I stopped that little bit of rebellion. At least that, that one. You know, we're all sinners. The Bible says that, that if you say you don't sin, you are a liar. 
So we all sin. You're all sinners out there. And I'm a sinner too. But we are saved by the grace of God. But we also need to deal with those little rebellions in our, in our heart. Because attached to those little rebellions is sickness. There's depression. Things not going well. And so we need to say, Lord, what else is there in my heart that need, needs to be dealt with? Because the Lord would have, have our minds transformed by the reading of his word and be, being obedient to the Lord. You know, it's one reason why we don't... Uh, many people are not healed of sickness and it's because they've not made that complete turn. Perhaps they're still harbouring bitterness, anger, unforgiveness or other sin in their hearts. And unless we make that complete turn to Christ, then the powers of darkness can have a grip on us. You know, over the years, I've prayed for hundreds and hundreds of Christians leading the deliverance counselling at the end of all Bill Strabitsky's meetings in, in, in town. Dozens and dozens, every, every month. So who was being delivered of demons that were oppressing them, causing depression, causing malingering pain and sickness? Were they non-Christians? No. They were Christians. Invariably, there was an area of their life not surrendered to God. Unforgiveness, grief, an accident that had happened in the past, an offence not truly dealt with. We can be affected by all sorts of things. I remember one girl walking up towards me and as she came up towards me I had the word abortion go across my forehead. That was a word of knowledge. So how was I going to address that? I didn't want to accuse her of anything. So I just said, um, Dear, uh, the Lord just given me this word abortion. Does that mean anything to you and your family? I kind of stretched it out a little bit. She said, no, I don't think so. She, she said, I've never had an abortion and, and I'm against abortion. And right at that moment she said, although I once think I heard my mum talking with another person about the fact that I wasn't wanted at one stage. And I wondered if she'd ever tried to abort me. And I said, well, she didn't because you're a liar. Isn't that wonderful? So you can be grateful that even if she had that thought, she, she didn't go, oh, yes, she said. So, so, so I said, well, let's pray. Pray a blessing on your mother and, 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 and come against that spirit of abortion that's perhaps come down the family line. And she prayed and she immediately manifested and something shook, her body shook and something left her. And she'd, the pain that she'd come up for, which was a sore neck or something or other, had gone. So you see, we don't know where these things are going to come from. Our sin or somebody else's sin in the family. But we need to get rid, rid, rid of things. You know, there is often a failure to open the rooms of the heart. Look what it says in Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. All the depths of our hearts. 
the Holy Spirit is, is, is going through. The literal meaning of inner depths of his, of his heart is rooms of the belly. That implies that our heart has rooms. And sometimes we open some of the rooms of our heart to Jesus, but others are shut because we don't want to confess some sins. We hold that unconfessed sin in our heart. How do I know this is true myself? My mentor in Taupo, Roy Waldrum, had a very specialised ministry. People would come to his home and he would have a vision of what they needed prayer for or, or what have you. But he had a technique, and we're going to do that tonight, today. He would say, I want you to ask the Lord who is sitting on the throne room of your heart. Now some people bowed their heads and said, Lord, who is sitting on the throne room of my heart? And some people got your mother. Some people that he prayed for got your, your work. Some people got your children. And so he would say, okay. Pray up here saying, I ask you to get out of the throne room of, of my heart. Mum, or work, or what, whatever. Get out of the throne room of my heart. I want you, Jesus, to be on that throne room in my heart. And I invite you to come in. And now I thought, I wonder if this really happens. And I once did it. I said, Lord, who's on the throne room of my heart? And he said, you are. Embarrassing, eh? You are. So I said, well, get out, Ray, from the throne room of the heart. I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for pride, arrogance, or whatever it was that was the idol in my heart was me. And I asked Jesus to sit on the throne room of my heart. And then I'd try and trick the Lord. And later on, I'd say, Lord, who is on the throne room of my heart? And I'd get, I am, meaning Jesus. And I could relax a little bit more. Why don't we all just bow our heads right now? And I challenge you to ask Jesus, who is sitting on the throne room of your heart? Just ask him, and it'll be the first thing that you hear. Who is sitting on the throne room of my heart? Who is or what is an idol in my heart? And if it's not Jesus, I want you to speak to the Lord and to say, Jesus, I renounce whatever it is you got out of my heart. And I invite you, Lord Jesus, to be the center of my heart, to be in the throne room of my heart. I renounce all idols out of my heart. In Jesus' name.
Lord Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne room of my heart. Some of you will have some strange things to say if you ever share that. But that's between you and God. You know, with repentance, it's followed by faith in God. And there's no true faith without repentance. They go together. Look at Acts 20, 20-21. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. And he, he is a rewarder of those who did, did diligently seek him. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Mark 11, Jesus told us to have faith in God. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe, when you ask Jesus into the throne room of your heart, believe that he'll come in. He will come in. And that's a very widely quoted scripture, but it's often quoted out of context. We don't ask for a Mercedes Benz, necessarily. There's a scripture that goes with it, 1 John 5, 4, 4.15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that we ask anything according to his will. And faith is a gift. It's by God's favour that, that we are saved. In John 6, 6, 5 it says, No one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. We are saved through faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So as we repent and turn towards God, he gives us a gift of faith to even understand him more, to believe him more, to believe his grace. Now the the prophetic word came out um, today about how much God loves us. His hand is not so short that it can't save every one of us. But as we, as we begin to learn, these are foundational doctrines, repentance and faith towards God. We're going to move on later in, in, in next month and, into the New Testament baptisms. The power of the laying on of hands. We're going to move into the resurrection of the dead. We're going to move on into judgment. And these are just basic things. But we want to get a good grip on them, a good understanding, so we can get on with our lives. And, and serve each other and love each other. Why don't we just all stand and stretch? A bit warm in here with that heater, but it's better, better than being cold. It's really quite lovely, isn't it? Just stand and stretch. And could we just have a, just a bit, of, bit of music? And I just want to invite anyone that feels that when they ask the Lord who's on the throne room of the heart, that that wasn't the answer that they would have liked to have heard, that you just come out. You don't have to talk, say what it was. Just say, I would really like 
power of the Holy Spirit to come on me and refresh me. So be brave. Come out. and I'm just going to ask Dears to come, come forward as well. And we would just like to pray for you. So be brave. Step out. And come forward for prayer.